Of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. Here with my boy Sebastian from Regulate. What's going on? What's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, your voice is hot, huh? Work with it. You gotta work with it, it's all good. What's going on, man? What have you been up to? How's uh, things? Alright, right now we're sitting in my girlfriend's living room in uh, Bushwick. Yeah. Uh, got back to Brooklyn at like 2 a.m. yesterday. Oh, played, no shit. Played Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania yesterday. The day before, we played Gold Sounds up the street here in Brooklyn. Who'd you play in Wilkes-Barre? Wilkes-Barre, however the hell they call it. Those uh, Pennsylvania dudes call it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get call it. it Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have that accent, so it's not Wilkes-Barre. No. Some people say Wilkes-Barre, too. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. But we played... Um, so the both shows were actually with Kulu, Illusion, and Mind Force. Okay. Mind Force, um, dope band. Yeah. And the show in Brooklyn was their first show um, since their guitarist Mike had a, he got into a crazy car accident. He needed to get like reconstructive surgery on his leg. So that was like their, 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 like their comeback show. Oh, no shit. That's crazy for them. Cool and Illusion. Um, they're playing DC today. And it's the third date of a full US tour they're doing. Um, so yeah, it was a momentous show in Brooklyn. Yesterday, I think Choice to Make, Freak Flag, and might be one band I'm forgetting. Play, but yeah, two solid shows back to back. And we're also coming off of This Is Hardcore, yeah. 2019. Of course, yeah. Which, did you, I, I get confused. Did you play last year? Yes. Last and year the year before. No, last year was the first time. Last year was the first time, okay. Yeah, I wasn't, so I've been to like five of them. So I remember seeing you the first time. I wasn't sure if it was last year or the year before. But dope set, man. You got moved up a little bit more in the yeah. lineup and shit, man. It's a beautiful thing. Felt good. Yeah, of, of course, man. There's something about that fest. Like, I'm 43, and I'd like to date myself. Like, I'm one of those old guys because I think that shit is corny. But I've been to a lot of shows and a lot of fests and shit. But to me, like, I've never been overseas, so, I, so that doesn't count. I mean, I'm not a band. But... What Joe and Chris do there is, is, I think it's incredible yeah. what they do. I mean, sure. four days, three full days plus a pre-show. And then it's crazy because, like, Monday morning, it's like you go on, like, Instagram or whatever and you see Chris or Joe. It's like, all right, well, this is how it goes over. Now we're back on our bullshit. And they got 20 shows lined up in Philly. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's nonstop. It's, it's nonstop. And it's, and it's not a lot of dudes that do it. It's only a couple of those guys that put all that shit together, all those Philly hardcore shows. I can't imagine doing it because, I mean, I've booked a handful of shows myself. Me too. Just like a one-off thing. Right. And then I show up to that. I can't even imagine the stress the work that goes into it. <clears throat> no, not at all. I, I had hit you up, I don't know if you remember, but I had hit you up a few times because I was booking shows at Lucky 13. I hit you up a few times, but just the timing wasn't right to see if you guys would want to play or whatever. But I put on, like, I never booked a show in my life. And then somebody took, oh, we, you should book a show. And I didn't know what I was getting into. 
And the first show I did, it was like seven bands, or a whole bunch of whole bunch of bands, friends of mine, and shit. And then after that first show, people were like, "Yo, when's the next one?" And I'm like, "I didn't think there was gonna be a next one. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know what I mean?" So next thing you know, it's like probably about two dozen shows I booked. Right. And sometimes that shit can be shred. People don't realize that. that like, I think the, the the least amount of bands I've ever had on a show was like five bands, but usually I would have like anywhere from like seven to ten bands on a Sunday matinee. Yeah. And certain bands want a guarantee, which I get, you know. And to like the, the last show I did was Ramallah and fucking a bunch of Philly bands, and you know there was a guarantee, and I was just like it was kind of up there for a Sunday show in a small club in Brooklyn. And the stress involved in that shit, like people don't understand. Sure, you know what I mean, especially when it comes to that. And then just, just for for no payoff, you know, because there ain't no fucking money. You know what I mean? In a small little club where there's 150 people with seven bands, you're not taking home anything. You're not taking home anything. And people are like, oh, but how could you not be? The place was packed. I'm like, all right, the place is packed, but there's seven bands. So now you think about it: how many people in each band? You say average of four people in a band. So you got 28 people right there, plus you got the sound man I gotta pay, plus this and that. So, plus the person's wife or girlfriend, I'm not an asshole, so I, of course you can go in. Of course everyone has their quote-unquote merch guy, you know, who gets in. So it's like, you know, I don't know, it's, it's crazy, but people don't understand like all the work that goes into it. Yo, shout out to your cat Oliver, who's a female, who's all over me right now, and it's all good. Very hospitable cat. Yeah. Yeah, man, so back to what we were saying, like, Philly was dope. I saw you guys sat there the last couple of years, and it's always dope. And uh, where, I mean, I know these things, but the people that are listening might not know. Can you get go into, like, the like how old are you and, like, what got you into this shit show called Hardcore? <laughs> this crazy-ass thing that we do. I'm 23. Uh, oh, my God. I, uh, so my stepdad got, got me into, like, Sabbath and Judas Priest and all like those types of bands. Sure. But even before that, I met him when I was I think, eight or nine. Before that, I used to just watch music videos all like my summer was dedicated to watching MTV and like Fuse and stuff. Okay. Because I was obsessed with music. You know? You're after the Headbangers Ball? Or was it over? <clears throat> there was a weird incarnation of it. Um, but I wasn't that into it. I was still just into like just like rock and stuff like that. Like, Nickelback. I saw a Nickelback music video and I was like, wow, this is crazy. All right. Listen, I'm not mad at that because there's some there's some guilty pleasures and some shit that I listen to still to this day. Could be worse, but um, I (laughs) so I just like love music and I couldn't wrap my mind around people being able to actually play instruments. I thought that was insane as a kid. Yeah. Then then my stepdad and he he listened, he listened to Sabbath made it and all that stuff. They got me into that and I was like, wow, I can't believe this. And then eventually through that and like through friends at school I started developing my own authentic taste and I remember I was on iTunes a long time ago and before I realized you could get music illegally for free right. on iTunes and I was looking for a song by a band called Brand New from Long Island and I couldn't remember the name of it and I was just typing and I remember that the letter G was in it so I'm like, all right. and I couldn't figure it out. And then I, I'm going down the list of like all songs by different artists with similar names. And um, the Gorilla Biscuits song came on. And like there's a 30 second preview. And I was like, wow, that's such an awful shitty name for a band. <laughs> yeah. And then I listened to the It was supposed to be a joke in the beginning, yeah. too. I listened to the preview and I was like, whoa, 
I've literally never heard anything like that in my life. Yeah. When on YouTube, I can grill biscuits, and I saw like, videos, and I was like, holy oh, shit, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I was watching grilled biscuits videos like for a week straight, and <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I asked my dad, he's like, nah, I never listened to that. He's a metal guy, right? Right. So I was like, alright, whatever. So I kind of put that on the back burner for like a few months, and then just through like the internet, I feel like I, hardcore was coming to me like through electronic waves to the internet because I just would see like on Facebook like event pages for like mixed bill shows like ska shows like punk bands yeah. and I got one hardcore band so I would go to like these weird mixed bill shows with, like 12 bands playing where at? Um, where'd you grow up? Island? I well we were talking before I right. lived so I was born in Columbia moved to Bensonhurst Brooklyn when I was like a year old I lived there until I was 10 and then since I was 10 I've lived in American East Meadow on Long Island Okay. Yeah, so, um, yes, yeah, so I would just go to, like, crazy mixed shows or, like, 30 people showing up, but I thought it was, like, crazy. Like, of course. My infatuation with talented musicians only grew, like, stronger, being able to see them in person, in real life. The live experience is a whole it's different nothing, world. It's really nothing like that, especially as, like, an 11, 12-year-old kid. You know what I mean? And then I um, started making some friends, like, pop monks, you know, Long Island, and then I would just... If I saw a shirt and I thought it looked cool, I'd look that up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of through other people and through other scenes that I started going to hardcore shows. And my first hardcore show, I think, was in 2009. Uh, that's the Human Society in Garden City on Long Island. I think it was Terror Foundation Backtrack, um, Grave Maker, and I forget who the, the locals were, but that was my first legitimate full-on hardcore show. That was one of my favorite bands. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I, shout out to Scott Bowman. I, I was definitely terrified because I had seen people like Push Mosh and Circle Circle Pit and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's seeing, it's like, not a hardcore show. Yeah. Like like people like the the average person on the street. You say Mosh Pit, they're thinking like that. Should be. Yeah, pushing that little sh- running shoulder, yeah, like a little yeah. shoulder block, and then bounce around. No, yeah. that, that's like jock mosh. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So I saw that for the first time in person. I'd seen it in videos, you know. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that looks cool. Uh-huh. And then seeing it in person as, how was that, 2009? It's 10 years ago, so I was like 13. Fuck. Uh, fucking, I was like, that's. Did you jump in or you little shook? No. That's <laughs> awesome. Fuck no. I was probably like 115 pounds. Yeah. Fucking. 13 year old. My curly hair down to my shoulders. So intimidated by all these guys. Like, and people that I'm like really close friends, friends with now. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that once I saw that show, I was fucking sold. Of course. Like, full on. I was like, this is. I, I, at first, as intimidated and I was hesitant and scared I was. And I, did, I got dropped off by my mom. She picked me up right after the show. Like, I had no friends in hardcore at that right. point. But I was like, regardless, it could just be me from here on out going to the shows. I've never felt the way I felt watching those bands. And you were good with that. Like, you, you were good with that even if you were alone. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I get that too. And, uh, yeah, so I was going to more shows. Met people through that. And eventually I met um, uh, drummer Harry and our old guitarist Kevin um, they played in like more of like an indie band like a pop punk band okay. went on tour with them and we were getting home let them drive home Kevin's like yo we should just let's start a hardcore band when we get home and I was like yeah 
I mean, you know that I'm down. Yeah. Harry played drums. He's a damn down. So those two guys, me, um, our guitar, Jared, I knew him. He only went to hardcore shows. And I was like, you, you play guitar, right? You want to be in this new band? Yeah, sure. My friend Jenkins, who I was in a band with <clears throat> previously for like, I think one show, that was it. It's called Affirmative Action. Um, okay. He played bass. And yeah, that's the first version of regular. Put out a three song demo. So the, fir- the, so the fir- the first, I guess the first step becoming it, w- it was affirmative action, and then it just became regular. Um, well, me and Jacob were the only members, but yeah, that okay. was my first hardcore band. I played drums with that. Okay, that was okay. Were you? I've never. I'm a spaz. If you put me behind a drum set, I'm it's yeah. all over. But I had no rhythm whatsoever like that. Never practiced before. All I've done is like if I see drums at our friend's house, oh, let me just bang on the drums for a little bit. Yeah. I learned a four punch cover, and then I learned three other songs. And I did my best. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it so, just didn't work out. I mean, I don't think it was just like we just wanted to put out a tape. Sure. Play better tape and play a show. It was fun, but but um, so yeah. Um, I think the affirmative action show in 2012, so 2013, <clears throat> early 2013 is when Regulate started for real. We recorded the three songs, um, wrote, recorded, and released three songs all the same day. Nice. Um, so the hardcore band does. Yeah. It's, like, it's funny because like a lot of things that you're saying, and I know that you're younger, and like I said, like I don't want, I don't want to try to sound like I'm the old guy, yeah. but but I've done, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people from. Younger guys like you and all the way up to older guys like that. Like, I had Vinny Stigma, you know what I mean? Like, that that's the spectrum. Yeah. So, to hear you say things like, you know, you see a shirt and then you go search that out to look for it. And then there's, you know, what you're saying now, it's, it's kind of, it's the modern version of things that, like, I did. Mm-hmm. Like, back when you bought a record or a CD and you, you you looked for it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, whatever. Like, you had a passion for it. Like, you said, like, you would be fine if you went to shows alone. Like, you were good with that. Yeah. So, it was like, I guess, me and my, ugh, it sounds so stupid, like, my generation, I guess, getting, getting into this stuff, there was no internet. Right. There was none of that shit, which you already know. That's like a cliche thing to say, but it's like, all right, like, I came up with tape trading. You get a fanzine. And it's like, there's some dude who's, whose name is written in hieroglyphics, and he's from somewhere over there, and he has, like, this weird doom metal demo tape. And it's like, okay, send, like, $7, and I'll send you a demo tape. Right. But this is, like, some real underground crazy. Like, you have to search out that fanzine and go to, like, this little tiny little ad that's photocopied six times. Yeah. You know, and then you send this dude and you put 17 stamps on the envelope and you take a piece of paper and you put $7 in cash and then you mail it overseas and it's like, you don't know what you get back. But then like three weeks later, you would have an envelope and you'd have some fucking weird doom metal demo tape. You know, but like I searched that shit out. You know what I mean? So it's like, as I'm listening to you, it's, it's kind of cool to hear somebody as young as yourself that went through kind of like the modern day version of that type of shit. You know what I mean? It's like, I never heard of the Misfits. I've heard, I've heard of the Misfits because I saw Cliff Burton's t-shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, well, who was the Misfits? And then I go to the Misfits and then the first song I think I heard was like, Bullet. And then from there, I'm like, all right, well, let me look at this. And then, 
okay, now I found like the dead Kennedys, and then I found suicidal tendencies, and then I saw suicidal tendencies live. I went there to see them, and it was at Lamores in Brooklyn, and Leeway was playing, and that was my first. Yeah. Holy shit! Because I was like a metalhead too. Like I grew up with the, the fucking hair metal Motley Crew and all that shit. Because like you were saying, see, <laughs> you would Nickelback. You know, you're like, ah, whatever. But, like, me, I was 10, and I saw Motley Crue shot at the devil in, like, 1980-whatever. And that shit was crazy looking. Yeah. There was nothing like that. Even though you look at it now, it's fucking corny. They got lipstick, stupid pentagrams. I love everywhere. that shit. I love that shit, bro. Anyone who wants to shoot on fucking shout at the devil, like, I'll argue, all, song. I'll argue all day long about that whole record. And I'm happy that you said that, dude. But, like, that was, that was my record that got me into, like, I grew up with the Black Sabbaths and the Led Zeppelins and even like Joe Cocker and stuff like that in the house. Yeah. And then I had a babysitter when I was like nine who had Shot of the Devil and Twisted Since to Stay Hungry. And I had heard those two records and that's what made me eventually find heavier stuff and then punk and then that, with that leeway show. And that's what turned me into like the quote unquote hardcore kid, I guess. Even though they're a crossover band more, but it was a perfect segue because I was into all that metal. So then it kind of, and then they opened up and I saw Lamar's go fucking crazy. And I'm like, same like you. Like, I, I saw, I might have saw a video here and like the Ignatius Front Anthem video yeah. on MTV or whatever. But then to see it live, that was like my holy shit turning point moment. And I was like, that's it. Like, I'll never leave this. Like, and I've been in ever since that. And that was, this, that show was December of 1990. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? <laughs> See, now I feel like, you're like, yeah, my first show was 2009. I'm like, oh my God, like, fuck, man. I feel old as fuck. That's hysterical, though, man. But yo, but like, not for nothing, I actually, so, so, regulate back to the three-song demo that you wrote and released all on the same day. That was what year? That was 2013. 2013. January. So we're only, you're in the bed for six years. And not to blow smoke up your ass, but you guys have done a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, the first year after we put that demo out, we had a show lined up, it fell through. Then we didn't, we didn't of course, it made, yeah, of course. Right? So I was bummed because I was excited to play, but um, something came up later, I think, like a couple months after that. That was our first show. It was with Bottom Out, Take Fence, Down Presser. Um, I feel like there was one of the Long Island band. That was our first show, One Stop Media in Deer Park, Long Island. Okay. It was like a, it was like a warehouse pretty much. <clears throat> Covered District 9. And it was awesome. I had a great time. Um, I don't think I faced a crowd for more than 10 seconds. No. Tires hit, but it was the first time. I mean, I had played drums the other band, but that was the first time I was with Mike. You know what I mean? And what was that like? Like, before you went on, because I'm sure you practice and wherever you practice, at your little practice spot, someone's basement, yeah. whatever. But then you're at your first show. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head? I hope I remember all the fucking words. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I was terrified. Um, was there a lot of people? Yeah, it was a good turnout, yeah. Really? When we, when we played, there was probably like 70 people in the room. Oof, okay. And That's enough to get you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it, the set wouldn't break, though. It was fine. Um... But yeah, we did that one, and I was like, okay, we can do this in front of people. So after that, I get I got more and more comfortable with the show went on. Um, then we did, <clears throat> sorry, we didn't really do anything for like a year, kind of, kind of just like 
don't know, we didn't have any plans for that. Right. It was just like, let's just write it down and let's see what happens. You know, so we just sat on it for a little bit. And then uh, we were like, hey, do you guys want to make this more music? And then we put out um, our first uh, EP. It's called Corrupt Correct. That was in 20, I think that was the next year, 2014. Um, 2015? 2014 and 15. Okay. Um, that one, we didn't press that one. I think we did tapes, but... Um, I was just on Bandcamp, and that was received very well, actually. And that was the first um, first time we started getting some attention outside of Long Island. Okay. We played our first out-of-state show at Anchors Up in Hadrill, Massachusetts, and that was that was the first time that people like went off to the band and some people knew the words. And I that I I can't can't even explain to you how it feels inside to see people like really react to your band and then actually know the words. Because then it shows they took the time to actually listen to it. They enjoyed it so much that their brain said, you need to remember these parts, these words. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get too lofty about it, but... No, nah, go crazy. ahead, man. No, I, I completely feel what you're saying. It's, it's an unreal feeling for that to happen for the first time. And um, I always do one of my favorite shows that we play. And uh, especially happening, like, getting that reaction out of New York, out of Long Island. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, why, would these, why should these people care about my band with... Just all we have is a uh, tape at our merch tape, you know, right? right? Like, yeah, but uh, that says yeah. a lot, man. It was awesome. Yeah, and I always thought, like, I was never in a band, and some everyone's like, yo, you know, all about this shit, this, that, and the other thing. And like, I've been so like involved, I've been to I don't know how many shows, millions of fucking shows, and I was just never, for some weird reason, it just wasn't in my cards. Like, right. if I was ever to, to, to be in a band, I can't play an instrument, so I would have to yell at people. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it just never happened. So I always wondered about that. Well, not really wondered. I could only imagine what that must feel like. Because I hear a lot of people say that, like, to look down and you're seeing a bunch of kids fucking going off and sweating and going nuts and they're fucking pointing and going off and singing your lyrics, it has to be an incredible fucking thing. Yeah, I can't compare it to anything else in my life. I'm, like that. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can't. Unless I saw the Islanders win the Stanley Cup with my own eyes and I was there, I don't think there's anything I could compare to that. Listen, I, I just I just want to see the Jets win a Super Bowl. It's a lost cause. I know. Uh, I shut up, man. I know. <laughs> no, they, they last time they won that it was six years before I was born. That's insane. Dude supposedly was landed that on the moon. Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, so, just <laughs> moving forward, all that um, we played. Uh, so that was in the beginning of the summer of 2014, I think. And then the end of that summer, we played back to school jam in Jersey. Nice. That uh, Greg from the Mongols puts on. Yeah. And, and World Demise. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's coming up too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to meet up with nice. him. So. Uh, I think it was 2014, it might be 2015, I don't know. Okay. But either way, that show, that set specifically was a big turning point for the band because, one, it was first time Hit 5-6 ever recorded us. Shout out to fucking Sonny. Like, that really does a lot for us, especially band at that level where it's like only our friends know about us. Yeah. Know, and people at the Tri-State know about you. Yeah. If that... Um, that does he's got a lot of reach for those videos you know um, 
and the set itself was fucking, we were like a late edition, like the band had to drop. So Greg gave us up, he was like, hey, I want you guys to play. We were like, yeah, okay, we'll be there. Yeah. I think we played second. Um, yeah, all the friends went off and I suddenly took that video and it was amazing. It was crazy. It was the first show, first show back for Chapter in the Rice. They took the hiatus. Oh, so it was a huge show. Especially, and I love TUI. You know, yeah, yeah, me too. But, yeah, so I think that show did a lot for us, helping us get to the point where we are now, where a lot of people were like, holy oh, shit, like, this, I mean, I'm in tears, you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. Um, a few months later, we played a show at Jersey Shore. My friend Bob Wilson from Let Down, Mouse Palace, Mother of Mercy, a bunch of bands. He's from, uh, he's from PA. Um, That's all of taking his shit on the podcast. It's all right, though. Gorilla Podcast and wherever I go. (laughs) So we're playing the show and uh, Ben had to drop. I think Blind Justice from the Shore had to drop. And Bob was like, if you guys want to drive down to Florida and play my fest, FYA fest, if you can make it there, go for it. And we were like, okay, let's, let me like, call my, it was like, let me call my pop see if I can. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I was still pretty young at that point. Uh, I mean, we all were. Um, But, that's fun. Uh, and it, it was like the day, I think that show was the day before, or two days before Christmas, and the fest was the day, two days after Christmas. So we played the show, go back home, my birthday's the next day, Christmas is the following day. I think that night, I went. I came over to Brooklyn, Carroll Gardens, where Harry lives. We all met up there, and we drove down to Florida, played a show in Virginia, on the way down, just like, Make some money for gas. Um, at FYA Fest, that set was even more like unreal to me. Like, huh. un, like in all meanings of the word, unbelievable. Because we were in Florida. Yeah, and people knew the words. I could not, for the life of me, <clears throat> believe that people in fucking Florida, or the South, or anywhere outside of the Northeast, out of the, yeah, out of like the tri-state area. Again, we played like second and third. We had a great set, and I was like, wow. This is crazy. So, yeah, that those first two years, um, there was a, a, a few pivotal points where things seemed to like take big jumps. And uh, yeah, it, I don't. I think if we hadn't played those two shows or those the Massachusetts show, Avril, Back uh, to School Gym, FYA Fest, I don't think we would be as well known as we are uh, right. today. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And then that song, uh, what was Zero Tolerance was on? That That's on, um, so okay, so the next thing we put out was Years of Rage, 2016. Right. right. That was a proper uh, release. We pressed that to vinyl. Right. Um, Do our friends, Edgewood Records in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, yeah, that was 2016. Um, we That song was fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I think we debuted it on like, Black and Blue Radio. I, I was listening yeah. to that. And Billy, yeah. Billy Club was in there. Yeah. And like, I think they were, like, announcing that they're going to play the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, yeah, and I love it. We all love Billy Club. Yeah, so. they killed it at the end of the song. Yeah, man. Shout out to Martin, man. Fucking good dude. Yeah, so we did, we did that. Uh, that song originally <clears throat> was for a Long Island hardcore compilation that never came out. Okay. And, like, it sucks that it didn't come out because it was going to be it was going to be awesome. It was like I think ten bands on it. Yeah, and I think maybe only like 
half of the band still exists now, but uh, maybe that'll happen one day. Yeah. So yeah, that was on Use of Rage. I think that was five or six song EP. Yeah. We did a few. You, do you write all the lyrics? I wrote all the lyrics, yeah. All the lyrics. Is there any particular person that that song was aimed at? Yeah, it goes out to Tom DeAngelis. Uh, <laughs> that was like one of the people that like, when I started going to shows, he started like bringing me around a lot. He like really got me. I mean, I've been straight edge since I was like 13. The second I found out about it, I was like, okay, that's what I fall into. You've never smoked a cigarette ever in your life? I've never had any interest. Honestly, I was, right. for one, just like, whatever through like personal things I was like that's not for me but right. I was also just too afraid to get caught from my parents right like if I came home like drunk or smelling like anything got yeah. me a bit like yeah, that would be so, that. so it was like not even worth it to risk yeah. it and I just wasn't into it but um, but Tom like he showed me a lot of like obscure hardcore bands that I wouldn't have found on my own you know um, and he he was like into veganism a lot and I'm not vegan I never was but I thought the moral behind it were really interesting so sure. he got me to a lot of like other things relating to hardcore and like he was only a little older than me but I considered him like my old head you know what I mean like yeah. he showed me a lot of things and then eventually like he broke edge and that's whatever you know personal choice right I don't hold that against anybody but then that turned into him like just starting to talk shit on hardcore for like and like our friends in, in the scene and for what I don't know what it was he must have been going through something yeah he well he was hammered yeah yeah he the whole time. but yeah and then I he then he started like straying away from shows and stuff like that. And again, life happens, but yeah. it was it was a conscious decision. And he, to me, it felt like he was turning his back on hardcore, but not for the reasons like he wasn't starting a family. He didn't like have to move away. He just like he thought he was too good for it. And I just I can't get behind someone that. And he was the most gun low hardcore kid. Like he booked shows he was at every show. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was driving there, packing cars, about to go, and then all of a sudden, like that, he's just like, you know what? I'm not. I don't know. It's like, it's not. I'm not that into it. And like I said, he was like two years older than me. Yeah, and he started getting this weird like, like ego about him. But uh, yes, yeah, so that song goes out to him and anyone that thinks they wake up and they think they're just too good for hardcore. I don't know where, but it's only done positive for you. True. Um, but uh, yeah. I was, I was always curious. I'm like, this song is aimed at somebody for sure. Yeah, for sure. But that same year, we did our first Little U.S. with Blind Justice. Um, singer Blind Justice, Mike Body, he plays guitar and regulate as well. Yeah. Uh, the first time we went to Europe was with Blind Justice. Um, they're like our brother band. Sure. Our members. Harry has played drums for that. Like, the first the full U.S. tour, Harry's doing double duty. Double duty. Fuck, man. Rough. And the drummer, yeah. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. that's bad. Like playing in like El Paso, Texas, and then five years outside, and asking to stay put. Yeah, play like twenty songs. That's, That's insane. But that the three weeks that we did the fourth, first three West was like that's the best three weeks of my life. Really, it was the longest tour that I had been on at that point. Was yeah. it what you expected? Like obviously you were in vans and cars. Yeah, it was just vans. Right. Uh, yeah, we so regularly had like a fifty passenger black just had like a conversion van. You know, like. Two pilot seats, right? Like straight, like straight up, like family vacation style, man. Awesome, um, <laughs> but it was awesome. Like we were just getting into things every single day. Um, we were showing up to shows on time, right? To load in, but we were definitely having, we were having fun. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of bands try to be like, oh, we have to be here at this time. We have to do this. We need this, this, and that. And we were just like, all right, I mean, 
There's a big water slide a couple miles away. Let's do that and show up to the show when we get there. Damn right. Because, like, I'm not going home with anybody for this tour. Right. I'm going to at least go home with some memories. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, playing the shows, obviously, that's, like, number one. That's what we're doing. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. But I've never been to Texas before in my life yet. I've never been to Arizona. There's going to be so many new places. I'm going to experience something. Yeah, absolutely, man. So... At the end of the day, that's the shit to me that matters. Like, yeah, money comes and goes and this and that, but what are you doing? Like, you, you have the opportunity to fucking see the country and then eventually see the world. You can't just be like, oh, like, yeah, of course, you take it seriously and, and you have to be somewhat professional and show up and do what you're supposed to do because that's why you're there. Right. But the reason why you're able to do all the other shit is because you're there to play shows. You know what I mean? So you got... So that, that's a great outlook. Like, yo, I'm fucking having fun. There's a water slide. I'm going on the fucking water slide. Without a doubt, I'd be doing the same shit. That, that water slide was in Waco, Texas. Line Justice got there a couple minutes before regulated. <clears throat> the basis of Line Justice, AJ, he's out of his mind, legitimately. <laughs> Goes down the water slide. It's a big water slide, dude. Right. Like, it's not, it's not some, like, great wolf lodge in your water park. It's, Three water slides outside, and they, I'll show you a picture later so you can right. understand. AJ goes down. We don't see him. We, we see him walking back to the van. Like, and he's in his clothes. He went in his jeans and his shirt. Oh, yeah? He's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I told him there's not. I'm like, Yo, what happened? He's like, I went down the slide, and I chipped my teeth. Guy cracks front teeth. Goes to the dentist, gets it fixed, comes back, and just chills. Oh, my God. The rest God. of the tour. Like, I chip my teeth on water slide in my in full clothes and everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Just show the thing. That's a great memory. And that's a great story. Yeah, <laughs> it's things like that. That's like, do I remember that show? No, actually I do. I right. Mean, Twelve people showed up. Right. But it's okay because AJ chipped his teeth. Like <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. That's the things I want to tell my parents about. It's not like, well, the show sucked. It's like the show is okay, but this happened. You know yeah. I mean? uh, it's only out. You know, all the, the satellite and shit. Yeah, exactly. yes. So, yeah, it was 2016. Um, and at, at that point, like, that tour was pretty pretty great, actually. Every show, except for, like, two, to turn out to whatever, but... But that um, happens probably yeah. nowadays, too. It's, it's, 100%. They're not yeah. all going to be bangers. You right. know what I mean? Um, Bon Justice played Santa Fury that year, and Santa Fury was cool enough to have us. They let us play two songs right before the Bon Justice set, and... Regulate played the pre-show, and that was our first show in California ever. Oh, shit. That's probably top five regulate sets ever. It was crazy. Really? Crazy. You were well-received out there in Cali? Yeah. So, California is always really, really good to regulate. Then we did four shows there at that tour, just up and down the state. Um, and I feel like that was the first show that we played where, like, we needed two people behind the merch table because people were like, yo, this is the first time in California. Like, I don't know when you guys can come back, you know, like, Hardcore bands are so fleeting. Yeah. I see a band and love them, and the next thing you know, they broke up. Yeah. So I feel like people... It happens like, too often. Man. Yeah. People were, like, really into it, and they were buying merch, and, like, I have two mile more. We made a lot in merch that day. And yeah. It was of like, course, man. Season. People are buying your shit. Yeah. People are appreciating what you do, and they, they, they ain't nothing wrong with putting a couple of bucks in your pocket for all the shit that you do. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, so we get back home from that three-week tour, He's had Monday off. Um, and the next day is the first show I booked. It was our record release. Saw us find Justice, Breakaway, Counterattack. Um, 
might have been one of them, man. I forget. It's, they're all my friends, man. Sorry, I forget. I apologize to the band. I forget. But that was at the end of 294 in Farmingdale, Long Island. Um, <clears throat> pretty sketchy place. The, well, the place itself was fine. The people running it were sketchy. Okay. It was definitely like a front for something else. Sure. Um, but he was going up to have a do the show there. Did the show. Uh, I think like 200 people came out. And that was the first show I ever booked. And I was stressed. <laughs> breakaway was super late. Like, I, so, the singer of Breakaway Ace broke a mic. I never paid that back for that. No. No. Uh, it's okay. okay. It's hardcore. Yeah. Uh, Just chalk it up to hardcore. Yeah. I mean, everything went pretty smooth besides breakaway being late, but even that wasn't enough to like throw a show off kilter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we played our set, and <clears throat> that's probably the number one regulated set ever because it was, it felt like. Is that on YouTube or anything? Uh, yeah, I think there's a YouTube video that. Um, that show felt like pay off for the last couple of years, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't expect to get anything out of hardcore. It doesn't owe me anything. Right. All I want to do is put things into it. I want to put music into it and shows and effort. And, you, know, you know what I mean? But that show felt like, in a way, hardcore was giving back. Because the reaction we got was, like, I, there's not a word to describe it, man. I was, like, bawling my eyes off on stage because, like, it, it's one thing to see a kid from across the country being too man, and that's indescribable as well. Yeah. But seeing like the guys that when you're go, going to shows as like a 14 year old and you're watching their bands yeah. and you're seeing them mosh and you think, oh my god, guys are so fucking cool. Yeah. Seeing those guys, <laughs> yeah. like, gives you the nod and like they're like, your close friends or seeing them in the pit or seeing them along or whatever. That, like, that hits me in my heart. Yeah. Like, it feels like it's come full circle, you know what I mean? And like that's I said, it's a beautiful thing. That's that's the one time I felt like hardcore give back. It was like a hardcore guy was like, you can get not like, yeah. good job. And that show was incredible. Um, that was June twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen. And uh, that's embedded in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never I could I could go through everything that was that I was seeing with within second by second. I could paint a picture for you. Really? That's that it was incredible. Um, yeah, and I get emotional over that stuff because, like, like I said, I don't expect anything from it. You know right. I mean? And, like, I think hardcore is such, like, it's a tangible thing when you're in a room and things like that are going on. Like, right. you can feel it inside of you. Oh, whatever. Yeah. On stage or you're down there. You know? Yeah. So, that's just, I don't know, it's just a beautiful thing to me. Um, so, 2016. And since then, you know, we've done another Philly West tour. We've done a bunch of West Coast things, East Coast runs. We've been to Europe twice. Last year we put out our first LP. I promise we'll be tomorrow. Don't break it. Thank you. You're and welcome. Yeah, just we play whenever we're able to. Um, our guitarist is like a computer science engineer. Our bassist is a teacher. Harry um, was just an actor. Is he? So, yeah, we got like a lot of very like schedules going on, but we always make it work. Yeah. Um, Right now, plans for the band are got a couple one-offs. Um, February, uh, we're going to go to Asia and Australia really? for like a month. Yeah. Oh, that's dope! Oh, my parents don't hear this. I haven't told them yet. <laughs> <laughs> my plan is to like lock down with the job 
and then let them know in like December. Yeah. It's like they won't care that I'm going, but they'll care if I go there and I don't have a job yet. But <laughs> that's fucking so funny. some context, I went to school for film and I've worked like odd jobs here and there and from this past September to this past May, I worked at WWE in the video department. No shit. It was like a contractor type of thing. Okay. And like they kept giving me extensions, extensions, and then I was interviewing for other jobs. And then I, I emailed back and I was like, hey, I just want to follow up my prior interview. Uh, and he was like, oh, it went really well. We're just, um, we're just still in the interview process. Okay. Email them again and again and again. And a little birdie that works at the company told me that they kind of just tell people that. So when someone quits, they can be like, hey, we, we love you. Come back. Right. So, uh, WWE, huh? Yeah. So Vince, if you're listening to this, <laughs> reach out to me, man. Reach out. Come back. Mr. Stay. McMahon. Mr. McMahon, please. But uh, I just recently did an episode with a wrestler who had a contract with the WWE. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. That's what I did. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So if anyone's hiring any video editors, any film people, let me know. Sebastian Pop, hit me up. <laughs> We'll put but, the uh, out there for it. Yeah, that's the whole history and origin of the band. Right yes. now, we're just, uh, like I said, the two shows this past weekend. Next show is in Jersey Shore, uh, Crush Record Release. And, uh, yeah. How was your first, <clears throat> how did it get lined up and, and your first time going over to Europe? Uh, so that was, okay, so, like I mentioned before, we were by Justice. That was for three weeks. Right. And I think people just wanted to see us there. How was that? Uh, I always like to see. I always like to hear because it's a different world over there. Certainly is. And <clears throat> the general consensus is that they're more. I get lack of a better word. They're more. I guess appreciative. One percent. Right. Yeah. And it, it was the same thing with regular kids going off. Yeah. So the deal with Europe was all right. So I went there with my family the year prior. Um, it was like a family vacation, like a cruise, you know? Yeah. And that experience is so far removed from touring Europe because you go to all like, the nice, nice places, you know? Yeah. Touring there is much different because it's just like touring here. Like, you're, you're in a van, you're at the show, you're in the van again, you're at the show. Sure. You know what I mean? And like, regulate is a band, like I said, regulate by Justin both bands, and we like to do shit, explore, and get into things. But in Europe, we have a driver and we're kind of at the mercy of the driver having a job to do, which we respect, you know, sure. and paid. Um, and also, I mean, we can't, I mean, we do, but we can't really just like go out and do shit because we can't read anything. True. We don't know what nothing says. It takes a written hieroglyphics. Yeah, it's hard, but so we spent three weeks there. Um, Martine from in the Netherlands, Belgium. Okay. He like runs a, a booking company out there, and he had us come over. Um, we spent the first night in Amsterdam, didn't have a show, and that was a crazy night. Of course. And slept in a hostel. I came back to the room at like 4 a.m. It was just random men in the room, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I remember, it's a fucking hostel, and that's what happened. It's like, really? Yeah, people just, it, it was a room with six bunk beds. And oh my god! Were, the room next the room next to us was like that was all our friends, like the two bands. Yeah. And then like everyone that didn't get in there fast enough was we just had to settle with the other room. But like, you're asked out. 
the weird townies. Here's oh, yeah, I slept with my clothes on, clutching my bags. Really? With a knife in my pocket. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Yes, that's exactly what popped in my head as soon as you said hostile. One of my favorite movies, but nothing I would ever want to do. Later on, you get your pinky toe cut off. That's not good. So yeah, we did. It was three weeks, and it was like six shows in Germany, which a lot of bands have dealt with. I call it the uh, German Triangle. The German Triangle, you just get trapped and you do a bunch of shows in Germany. Yeah. And it sucks because Germany sucks. Does it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sure if you go to like the nice touristy places, it's, I'm sure it's great. You know, right. It's like any other country has its spots, but yeah. when you're just seeing like a highway yeah. the whole time for like six days, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy out there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Germany fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. But, hey, listen. I'm just being honest. It's all so good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This past time, we only played one show in Germany, and it was great, so. Right. It, it even things you out. You just can't be stuck there for a little period of time. I don't anywhere for six days. No. One place. Unless it's Long Island, New York. Best right. place in the world. Is it, oh, is that what it is? It's the best place in the world? Yeah. But, for us. Uh, <laughs> we did, uh, yeah, it went, went really well. When we did have an opportunity to go out and like see stuff, we always we did that. Um, I went kind of crazy in the UK and spazzed out and attacked someone in the band because I was just losing my mind. Oh yeah. I lost the living dude. It was hot. Fucking all the weird accents were getting to me. We were eating McDonald's every single day, dude. McDonald's every day. I was vegetarian. And then we got there and I was like, dude, I, I can't live with myself. Yeah. In terms of food here, because it's so hard to eat down there. Uh huh. This this last time was much better, but like we were eating McDonald's every day. But McDonald's in Europe is it's incredible. Is it? The food standards there are much higher than ours. Yeah. So they're not feeding slop like the winter McDonald's here. Yeah. It's great out there, honestly. Okay. Sure. Um, the service is, is much better. Um, but as far as the shows go, like you said, there were but people's accents were getting on your nerves. I was just losing nothing, man. I don't know what happened. I hate it. Snapped. Listen, we all have breaking points, Snapped. and you decided to attack someone in the van. It's like full metal jacket. That's awesome. Like, I am, you know, like Friday Fry- Fry- the Pile style. Yeah, I lost it. But <laughs> it's all right. They, the, people, the show goers are definitely very appreciative. Yeah. When you show up to the show, and they have food ready for you. you play the show. They have food for you after the show, and if you need a place to stay, they have someone 100% willing to let all 10 of them stay in their house or, or the menu itself has like a room for everyone to sleep in like really? yeah I think I think it has a lot to be honest with the governments out there they appreciate the hard spring more than the American government does yeah and they allocate a lot of funds to these places and to these people that book shows because they understand that they have there's a lot of people that are like all different kinds of alternative types of music and instead of like like the way I think of it is that it, it's better to give this guy uh, a lump sum of money to book shows and put up bands than it is to, like, the money you spend doing that is less than the money you'd be paying a police officer to go shut down every show he does because it's too loud. Or, like, I, I think, like, in the grand scheme, like, it, it costs less to let them do the shows and make it easier for them to do the shows and give him a hard time but then you just come to the show anyway and he's gonna fuck something else up so right. you know what I mean like, yeah there's like foresight and there's actually a thought, thought yeah. process that goes behind and like I said like we, we'd be at some of the shows and we'd be such like a professional looking building 
like different spaces, like art spaces in the building, and I'd be like, how do you book here? It must be so expensive. It's like, now the government pays for everything. Like, the government built this place for things like this to happen because they understand that they, they, they care about arts and music and stuff, the young people there, yeah. and they don't want us to get into other things, like negative things. So yeah. if you want to jump off stages and punch each other, that's the worst we're going to do. Right. Let's let them have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Punch yeah. each other out of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you hug each other afterwards. Exactly. So that's one thing about Europe that I think they got it right in terms of like hardcore show music. They got that over America every single time. Yeah. They take care of the bands way better than any American show broker that would take care of us. And that's not a shot at them. That's just how it is. You, know, you yeah. show up, you play, you get paid, and you go. It's fine. Yeah. They don't expect anything. Right. If we get pizza at a show, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It's cool. Yeah, man. I got to eat. But having people be like, okay, who's, who's vegan in the band? Who needs to be? Okay, I'm going to make this for you. I'm going to make this for you. And I'm the only, I'm vegetarian again now. And I'm the only vegetarian in the band. And they would just make something for me to eat. And That's it's awesome. Crazy. It's accommodating. That's like, yeah. you know, it's fucking courteous. Yeah. You know? And that's not something you're used to in terms of hardcore. You know? No, hell no. Especially so, in the States, man. Everyone's yeah. a half an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Until you get to know them. All right, he's a dick, but exactly. he's a good guy. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know, you get it. Yeah. Of course. So those three weeks were, it was a long time to be in Europe for the first time. <clears throat> but this past time, a couple of months ago when we went, um, it was only like 11 days, 12 travel. That was perfect. I think that was a perfect amount of time to be over there. Um, the best show was in London. Um, and that makes sense because the UK, their scene is the closest to the American scene. Yeah. You know, I feel like some parts of Europe are like a little behind in terms of like hardcore and I don't really know how to like explain that yeah it's just it's just the way it is okay but we play the show in Czech Republic which is on its own and same yeah it's the place I would it's crazy old and shit isn't it uh, well, I mean I could be completely that's what I picture in my head yeah we, we spent the day in Prague and we played at a cafe literally it was like like the size of this apartment yeah people ordering coffees and stuff while bands were playing and it was, it was crazy and that was one of the best shows we played over there and it's crazy because two people knew words for our band but the whole room was going off and you could feel it they're just happy that a band was here to play for them yeah. you know what I mean? they're just feeling your music and yeah even the, even though they don't they don't know it and maybe they, 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 they don't know, know what the fuck they're talking language. about right but they're just like okay this is happening and I've, this is awesome jumping yeah. off stuff like killing each other it was great yeah it's great. So, yeah. Overall, Europe, um, they have the leg up on us in some things. That's right. That's right. I've heard from almost everybody. Yeah. But you still have to pay to use the bathroom at rest stops. Do you? Well, they want you to. Yeah. Maybe like this. There's a turnstile. You're supposed to feel like, what the thing is, like, you pay, like, 50 cents, and then you another receipt comes out, and if you buy something at the rest stop, you get a dollar off what you buy. So it works out. <laughs> that's strange yeah, but it's I never weird. heard that. I never heard that it's fucking inhumane what, what if like I don't have money and I'm gonna explode if I don't take a picture and you're shit on the street yeah that's fucked up it's, of course it's fine it's not what I it's not what I want to do so we just jump over the turnstile and go you know yeah but, uh, yeah you're, you're at the school it has it's ups and downs just like any other country like so, yeah you know? huh it's pretty dope, man. Well, like I said before, man, your, your band makes noise and you guys are doing great shit and you put out fucking consistent dope music. So, yeah, without a doubt. All right, so a couple more minutes. 
bands. Favorite band. Hardcore band. Hardcore band. Ever. They, everyone has one. That changes on a daily basis. You don't have a solid one? Usually the solid one's the bad rates. Okay. It's a good go-to. It is uh, a go-to. I'll give you a top five right now. In order? No, 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 no of course not. I was going to say, that's insane. Yeah. It's not so cool. Bad Rings, Mad Ball, Neglect, Life of Agony. Five. Five is always a toss up. Of course, it's like. I don't know, like. District 9, some days, some days. It's like. Bulldoze, some days. It's like. Gorilla Biscuits. I don't know. It's like it all. It all varies. Sick of it all is. Somewhere in like the top 30. Really? Yeah. Really? They're my favorite band ever. I mean, I mean, I'm not alone with that. I'm sure. Right. That's a lot of people shit with bands, but. But I'm surprised that you said Life of Agony. I love them. God. That's probably the band that I just, I don't know. It's either, it's a toss up, flip a coin. The band I've seen the most ever live, yeah. it's either Life of Agony or Biohazard. Mm-hmm. Oh, Biohazard. I might be number five times too. Incredible. But Life of Agony is incredible to me. Whatever of Life of Agony. Uh, honestly. I have the original first ever demo wow. and, and the second demo. Oh, I love The first demo, they don't do anything off of the first demo, ever. I don't even think the second demo, I, well, they do respect. Like live. Live. Yeah, no. The first demo was like a full length record. Is it the one with the, the guy? Like, yeah. That thing? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty long song. It's a demo and there's like, I think 10 songs on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love every, uh, the demos. I love East Coast Assault and Plexiglass. I love Remember the Red. I love, uh, Ugly. Yeah. No, I think Ugly is super underrated record. It's super, uh, it's one of my favorites by them. Other Side of the River is one of my favorite about the It's so crazy that song. Yeah, yeah that, it's weird. I found a I'll cop to it. I've gotten very emotional listening to that song. It's great. I have. Yeah, I was drinking at the time. This is when it first came out and shit. Yeah. Like me and like Adam drinking and I'm with somebody. It's like, yo, this song's crazy. It's stupid, bro. I've like any, <laughs> anything I've had, like my bouts, tough times or whatever, I put on, I put on that, that first LP and it, it's, it's incredible, know, man. Like the skits in that, they're just. I think that's a record that, like, a lot of people in hardcore, whatever mental thing they have going on, that's something that, like, if you have listened to it, or if you've listened to it a million times, it's something that, like, should be a part of the playlist. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, that, that is the first Biohazard record. The Stain Remains demo, which is their second demo. Technically, it's their third demo. They had Death on the BMT. Then they had the self-titled, you know, the... Everyone yeah. calls it the everyone calls it the, the, the depression demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the stain remains and river runs red. But the stain remains demo right. and river runs red. The first biohazard record. Leeway desperate measures oh. is that's that that right there that's like the core right there. like that right there for that time frame from like eighty nine to ninety one, ninety two into ninety three because desperate measures, that was like the the majority. I mean there was so much stuff. I mean, Dev Agnostic Front, you know, one voice came out and all that shit. Like like ninety two was an incredible fucking year for hardcore music. 
so much class. And it's funny because all these bands you named have such like strong metal influences. Absolutely. And you would think at that time people would be so like hard and not like pure hardcore. Right. But like if you show a random guy on the street like Bagney, yeah, where it's just like a it's like a metal band. Right? Yeah, 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 metal band. Right. right. To me, that's like as hardcore as it gets. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. And then you have like in '92, like Sick of It All dropped. Just look around. And the title track from that record, it's kind of. It's, it's kind of like a lot of some of the things that you do. The cadence is, is very hip hop ish, I guess. Is there any influence with hip hop with you? Like, do you yeah, listen? 100%. Yeah, right. Yeah, like very Rage Against the Machine ish. I'm not comparing. It's yeah, just no. it's the, it's the the cadence. Right. The first first CD I ever bought my own money was a Fifty Cent CD. Was it? And I listened to that like. It's so for this. That's fucking crazy. Dude. That that's the first CD you bought is what? Get Rich and Die Trying. Yeah. That's just wants to perspective. Like I feel like he's so young now because that's your first record. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to speak more about Life of Agony because I don't get to speak about. No, let's before. talk about Life of Agony. I had Mina on. Yeah. Episode. I want to say like episode twelve. Go back early, early. Nice. When I was still doing it with two other guys at Lucky Thirteen, but it's like almost two hours long. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Yeah, I went to high school with Mina. Really? When, when Mina was still key. Yeah, yeah. South Shore High School. I saw them. I have old flyers and shit. I have, um, there was a club in, in Brooklyn called the Crazy Country Club. Okay. And their motto was warm beer, lousy food. Right. And, yeah, crazy bands played there. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of that band, Confusion. Of course, yeah. Mike, Mike, shout out to Mike Sandato, who's singer for Inhuman and, and uh, The Last Hand. Okay. That was his first, well, not his first band. He was in Close Call and a whole bunch of other bands. But Confusion played there constantly. Um, when Biohazard had a drummer that they threw out before they got Danny in, and his name was Anthony Mio, they threw him out and Anthony created a band called New York City Strength. Okay. They used to play that. I've seen him a million times there. I saw Life of Agony there in between the Depression demo and the same Remains demo. And I think I still have the, the flyer. It's like January of 90. And is that when we still had like the, the keyboard thing? That's before the keyboard. Okay. It was before the keyboard. The keyboard came into play Stain Remains demo. And that's when she had like the stand, right? The Black Bag logo. The logo, so it was a piece that. of fucking plywood painted with the logo. And it was crazy because Joey Z and Alan, shout out to Alan, and at the time, <sighs> Sal from Typo Negative became their drummer on the River Runs Red Record, but the Stain Remains demo was this kid, Eric Chan. So I don't remember if that time frame, if Sal was their drummer yet. He might have just became their drummer. But I remember seeing them. One of the craziest shows I've ever seen. I don't remember the first couple of bands. I don't remember, but it was Life of Agony. Life of Agony, Monkey Pup, Leeway at this club called The Marquee. Yeah, I've seen fucking incredible. So many of those those clubs are gone, and I've seen so many great shows there. Back in early '90s era, but it was crazy because it would be Alan would be going nuts and Joe would be going nuts, and then there's there's Mina up there, like in this, it's like up on like a podium type thing behind this thing with this microphone, just playing the keyboard, just going nuts, just standing up there. It was very 
different for that era. Very theatrical and just not a stage performance that you would normally see. And it was it was incredible. Yeah, so my my Vagony and Vile has a toss up between who I've seen the most live. They would play every week, every other week, either in Brooklyn or Manhattan or somewhere. And they're like, yo, fuck it. Any shows going on? Pick up the Village Voice. Yeah, my Vagony is playing fucking Danceteria with Mucky Pop. All right, let's go. That's awesome. Yeah, just go and fucking hang out. You went to the same high school you said? South Shore High School in Canarsie. But she's two years older than me. I wasn't in any classes, but I always remember her walking around and, you know, the, you know, the, the in, be, in between classes and shit like that, in the hallways and shit. And then I'm like, all right, well, there's this band like that. And I never put two and two together. And then I'm like, all right, like, like Vagony's playing. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I just saw you in the hallway this afternoon. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, it was weird like that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they obviously, I mean, Ugly, you mentioned Ugly. Ugly is an incredible record. That fucking lost at 22. Like, and, and it's crazy because at that time frame, I was around that age. So it spoke to me, yeah, you know. And then a lot of people, listen, a lot of people sleep on Soul Searching Sun. It's got some tracks. It's got some fucking bangers on it. It's, some tracks. it's got some tracks on there, for real. Um, then they went through that weird stage where I kind of tuned out. So I was in the service. I wasn't, and I wasn't connected necessarily to the scene physically because I was, I was in the Air Force and I was uh, traveling and I just took a different path for a little while. And there was that time frame where they got that, where they, they kind of broke up and for a little while they had the singer from, what was that band? Ugly Kid Ugly Joe. Show. Yeah, so I don't know anything really about that era. And then they were kind of on hiatus. And then I think it was 2006... I saw them, and they were the only band that played. It was the only time. I, I want to say it was the only time they've ever played CBs. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah because that could be false, but for some weird reason, I remember Mina saying something like, this is the first time we're playing here. Unless I was all fucked up, and, 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 and you know, I don't know. It could be, but I was sober at the time. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just mixing shit up. But I saw them there. And that's when they put out Broken Valley. And I was a little disappointed because they did all of Broken all of that record and they closed with Underground. And that was all they did. That hurts. And I'm like, I want to hear statements. Like, I want to hear respect. I want to hear that shit. And then they, they, I guess they went away for a while. Yeah. And then they came back with, what is it, a place, a place where there's no more pain. Yeah. I remember my, my older friends, like guys on the King Nine stuff, backtrack, they told me this story about seeing Life Bag Life Bag and Biohazard and like VOD. VOD. Donkey on Long Island. I think 06, 206 in way maybe. And they always say it's like one of the craziest shows you've ever seen. I'm sure. like younger people like, at that time they were like younger, but then like older people like just like crazy guidos and like white beaters just going insane. <laughs> I love when, I, when I'm at a show and I look around the pit and I'm like all these guys can be my dads yeah, yeah. are like giving me like a slice of the pizza right block yeah. I love that because like it was so authentic New York to me sure you know what I mean like I, first time I saw BOD it was this past year at Kingsley 
and it, I was just looking around and I thought this is like a, this is like a New York pit, you know? Ah, fuck me. That green drip record. Mm-hmm. I like that. Every old guy calls it the green drip record. I like well, the goo record. The goo record? Yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a goo one. It, it's it is. It's title, but it's just a goo one. Yeah, it's, it's the green drip well, record. You said no, every old guy. Yeah. <laughs> every old guy. But um, yeah, that, that record to me is timeless. Like you put that shit on today, it's like a timeless record. They're from uh, they're from the time, the time, one of the times I grew up in Merrick. Ah, fucking way I found out about them, I was at this place called Superfly, like a bourbon joint in Merrick, and the guy had like like this print of the record on the wall, and I was like, "What is that?" He's like, "Oh, it's uh, you know, it's a band." Yeah, punk rock. I don't like that. Punk rock. Like, <laughs> I was like 15, so I was in the shit. Yeah, I didn't know about the OD. Right. I feel like they're kind of obscure when it comes to like maybe New York hardcore not yeah. all out in New York right and I was okay I went home and I looked it up and I was like well yeah they're from right here yeah that's crazy it's great they don't play very often no they don't yeah but it's awesome to do uh, I've seen them I don't know how many times back in the day but then I saw the last time I saw them was a while back I'm gonna say it was like 2014 uh, maybe and they played Starland it was uh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. In uh, town? Yeah. yeah. It was Razor Blade Hand Grenade, Suburban Scum. Okay. I remember the show. Uh, who else? Somebody. The, the Banner. Yeah. Shout out to Joey Stone. Yeah, Joey Southside. VOD E-Town. That was fu- they played all the classics. Yeah. It was fucking bananas. I went there mostly to see VOD. Yeah. They know what to play. I oh, they know. Lot, I feel like a lot of older bands, they like kind of get wrapped up. They like you play what you want. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's your band. You play what the fuck you want. Sure. I like when bands like, all right, we're gonna bust out the hits. Yeah. You, know? you need the hits. People want to hear the hits. First time I saw a lot of bad was at Starland. I feel like you never played with them. Uh, did you ever play with them? Yeah, actually, we played with them at Binghamton Fest. Okay. It's like this thing up in like Odeonta or not Binghamton. Is this the place with the skate yeah. ramps? Okay. One of it's the worst tribe I've ever done. District so, <laughs> Nine's first show back was at that fest. I remember that show. I packed the van out, the maybe the van and drove up and let's see, because I'm not missing District Nine's first show, I don't care where it was. Right. And the drive took forever. Drive back took even longer. Of course, the drive back is always longer. Miserable. It was like November. It was cold. I, I hated it. Then we played. Somehow I got fucking suckered into driving my own car up there. And I was pissed about it. I did it, whatever. <laughs> Life that we played. Didn't even get to see them because when I was with one or leave. So that, Really? Yeah. Binghamton, dude, sucks. Yeah, but I would have fucking stood my ground and be like, oh, I want to. Yeah. yeah. I should have stood my ground, but whatever, man. But, uh, but yeah, the first first time I saw Life that game was at Starland. It was, it was everything I wanted. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. They played outside of the river. They played everything I wanted to hear. Yeah, they, they play the hits now. Yeah. They do, which they, is yeah. great. And I saw my, like, Brooklyn Brew or something. When Black and Blue Bowl was outside. The well. The well. They had just been in the well. I saw that family yes. there. Um, Did, was that the time they played two nights in a row? I think so, yeah. I think I went to the first night. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I saw a bunch it of It opened up with the intro to Pikes yeah. Gate. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's awesome. It's another one of those times where I'm like, this is... Just straight up New York in here. Oh, oh, it's Brooklyn all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, last summer, I was walking around the city. I was wearing an old like, biohazard shirt. And I made eye contact with me. I had a bus stop. Right. I'm like, oh, 
Oh my god. I need to go up to him. Yeah! Yeah, but I need to give you a hug. Hey, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Just talk for like a second. And I walked around. That was awesome. That was awesome. I love Yeah. Me and my friend Jamie, um, her and I would, I would pick her up. We'd go at 7 Eleven, grab some Red Bulls, drive around on Allen, just listen to that game for hours. Yeah. I love that fucking dance. Yeah. I see that. <laughs> and I. I didn't know about this song, Remember Me. Yeah. I never heard that song until like a year ago. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. And I heard it. I was like, oh, like hey, they keep, there's just so many, I feel like there's so many layers that they had. Like, oh, there's so much. Endless. Yeah. Endless. Everything is different. They do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you listen to, you know, the first demo and then you listen to the newest records. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I think they have a, a record pretty much done and in the can. Oh, yeah. Another one. Respect. They're like, they keep doing things, too. Yeah, they need to. Yeah. And they, they're one of those bands, I think, that they, they should be bigger than they are. I think so, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always thought that. I thought that way back in the day. And a lot of people, you know, in the beginning, people would hate a little bit because everyone would be like, yo, if it wasn't Biohazard or Type O Negative, they would be nowhere life back. Yeah. And you kind of hear that. 100%. You know, and it's like, don't hate on it, but I get it. But they do their own thing and it's dope. Yeah. I've always been like that. There's never been a band that sounded like them since then. No, no. Not even close. No, you're not, you, you can't, you're not duplicating the fucking Midnight's voice. It's like you're not duplicating Eddie Leeway's voice. Like, exactly. if you, you, you can't do that. John Joseph, you're not, you're not duplicating his voice. So, what did you say? Bad Brains, Life of Agony? Neglect. Neglect. Neville. Then. For today, we'll say Biohazard's five. All right, it's all right. It could change in the next hour. I got you. Yeah, I think I'm a little more on the old school side. Let's let's, 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 top five real quick. Sick of it all. Agnostic Front. Agnostic Front, sick of it all. A real close, like you know what I mean. Sick of it all. Agnostic Front. Um, Biohazard. You to today. Fucking love that band. Yeah. Yeah, even when I wasn't straight edge, I mean, this, I mean, this is only tobacco in here. This is the only thing I do anymore. But, like, even when I was all fucking messed up and shit, like, I had to listen to it today. Getting fucked up listening to it today. But something about that band spoke to me. I love the energy that band. Walter's a fucking sweetheart of a guy. But, um, yeah, Walter was on here, too. You should listen. Yeah? Yeah. It's Sammy Seagull on. Yeah. I think Walter is so cool. He is. There's so many awesome bands, and, like, he just looks cool on stage. <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those guys. Like, I don't get nervous really. Like when I first started doing this, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm talking to people and stuff. Like now, I guess, I mean, I guess not as much as getting on stage and singing and shit. But you know, Walter was one of the guys that I'm like, oh man, intellectual like, dude too. Right. So I gotta like, you know, I can't sound like an asshole, even though I know his whole catalog. I mean, yeah. If if you want to talk bands. Sigma is my favorite band, yeah. but if I was to pick one record ever, like everything else is gone, and I have one record to choose from, yeah. it's Quicksand Slip. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, With, but they're not my favorite. They're not even in my top five, so you, which is weird. I get there's bands like that too. But there's a lot of bands that aren't top ten, but they have a record that's top ten. Quicksand Slip is my number one all-time record, possibly across every genre of music, which is crazy. I respect that. A lot of people don't. Yeah. And it's weird that I even say that, but it's true. Like, if I'm not unsure of what I want to listen to, 
I don't know what I'm going to move for. I throw on slip. I'm good. So, so, so talking with, with Walter, and, I'm, and I know that he's had such a long career, and I'm sitting there. Does he really want to talk about fucking slip from 1993 for another whole hour? It, but I want to talk about that. You know what I mean? But he was super cool. We did it somewhere in Williamsburg at like a juice bar. Sat there. Yeah, we sat there and shot the shit about his 95 different bands and, and all kinds he's of... He's an extensive list. Dude, he's got one of the best rosters of all time. World's fastest car. I'm like Wikipedia, like, he said it has a band called World's Fastest Car. Like, yeah. what's up with that? Like, you rival, know, rival schools. Rival schools. I mean, all that from quicksand to Gorilla Biscuits to playing in youth today. I mean, all that shit. So, yeah, I'm going to say Sick of It All Agnostic Front, Biohazard, Youth of Today. Um, Wisdom and Chains. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend's a PA. She loves Wisdom and Chains. How can you not love that band, dude? That band. Shout out to all those guys. Fucking crazy ass Luke Rhoda. Fucking Richie Crutch, Joe. So Richie Crutch, I have to assume it's a crutch, right? Yeah. What did he sing? What did he play in that band? Guitar. Okay. Yeah. I think Crutch is awesome. Yeah. Well, he's a guitar. One of the guitar players, I would say. The rhythm guitarist of Within the Chains. Yeah, Shit, my girlfriend. He was on here too. I had him with Craig from Sick of It All. It was a fucking most chaotic episode ever. It was fucking chaos because me and Richie, I'm like, yo, I did a quick little, like, it was literally like four minutes outside of the fucking terrorist show yeah. with Richie. And, I was like, and he was like, yo, man, you fucking jipped me, blah, blah, blah. Because I did one with Joe in a single for Within the Chains. Like, I had my daughter like two hours. Yeah. Richie's like, yo, like, Rick, you tell like the whole life story and everything. You give me like four minutes on a corner outside of a shell, right? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, we'll get together. So we hooked it up, and it was supposed to only be me and Richie. I was going to meet him at his job. We we're going to go meet and bullshit. Change of plans. Let's meet up in Queens. I'm going to go have pizza with Craig ahead. I'm like, all right, cool, because I was supposed to do one with Craig around the same time anyway. All right, so maybe I'll bang up to it. It turned into me meeting them. It was me, Richie, Craig, Almond from Sick of It All, Luke Rhoda, a roadie, three stragglers, all in this fucking pizzeria. And it's just, it's like, it's like, it's basically the Craig and Luke show featuring Richie because it's just so crazy. Everyone's calling each other a Mama Luke and this one and that one and the sauce and this. It's just a shit show of an episode. So, yeah, I, I, I think I even, like, recorded, like, a little thing beforehand. Like, this is what was supposed to happen. But this is what happened. So if you like chaos, this is how it's like sitting in a corner booth at a pizzeria and we're all there. Where'd you guys go to eat? Um, I want to say Roses. Okay. You know where it is? Yeah. Yeah, in there. Got like three pies and he had a waitress and, oh, give me a slice and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, yeah, oh, yeah, forget it. Between the rubber and that's nursing. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's why it sounded the way the backs of that. Yeah, of course. It's just fat Italian Yeah, me too. I grew up my whole life. You have no idea. You have no idea. Listen to episode 49. It's like my life story. You'll get a good idea. It's crazy. Some of this shit, it's like, I even say, like, if I'll tell people stories, sometimes I, like, I hear myself telling these stories. Yeah. And as I'm telling it, I'm thinking that the person I'm telling it to is thinking I am completely full of shit. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and there's people that vouch for these things that it's like, like I have, it, it really happened and I have proof and people can, like, people were there. So there's, there's some crazy shit where it's like, dude, like, I feel like legitimately like I'm in a movie right now. Like, it's some crazy shit. Yeah, I grew up around a whole bunch of fat fucking Ginza loons. <laughs> All day long, seven awesome. liter bread. Don't want it any other way. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah. Me neither. That's perfect. It's your experience. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're big. I don't know what the fuck they got. I don't know what's up with big. It's small. Yeah. It's small. about it. And like it's and like a what's it pavement? Pavement. And like and like a college. There's like big yeah. university. It's a college town. And that's it. Yeah. College kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I'm not a fan. Never was. All right. Dope. Well. This was fun. That was awesome. Yeah. But, um, you, you guys don't have a legit Instagram page? We have a Twitter. I just use that for jokes. I'll tweet up a flyer, but I'll make some jokes on there. What, 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 right, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's Regulate NYHC. Okay. Yeah. No Instagram. No Instagram. We're on Facebook, though. Right. Facebook Why no Instagram? Uh, I don't know. It's too much. Who cares? It's too many pics, whatever. And we, we get the point across on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. You know what I mean? All right, I got it. Yeah. Good shit. I'm trying to detach myself. It's impossible to detach. I did it for like almost a year. And it was fine. And I made a... Well, you'll be fine, but I'm saying for band. For, like, listen, oh, for band. If, I, if I didn't have a podcast, or if I didn't... If I, it went from booking shows to stopping to book shows, and then this. Yeah. I always said at that time, if, if I wasn't booking shows, I wouldn't be on social media. Right. If I don't have a podcast, I wouldn't be... You wouldn't know where to find me, where I'm at, none of that. It's like, I have a personal Facebook page. You look at it, we're friends on there. 90% of it is podcast shit. Yeah, yeah. I post a picture of me and my girl, me and my daughter, shit like that, but not excessively. Just getting the word out. Just getting the word out. And then I have the group page, and then I have an Instagram page, which is at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, but there's nothing on there about you. Nothing. It's only podcast flyers, period. That's it. And the Twitter, I have a Twitter account, but it's 90%, 95% podcast shit and like retweets from like, this is hardcore and like my boy Vinny Pats. Yeah. Shit like that. That's all it is. If you know me, you know me. If you want to talk to me on a personal level, you have my phone number or hit me on my regular personal Facebook page. But I don't put my shit out there. If you listen to the podcast, you know me. Yeah. So there's no, no, you don't need to look anywhere else. You listen, you know me. Yeah. It's really that simple. You know what I mean? Awesome. I appreciate your time, my man. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Shout out to Oliver the cat. Oliver. Long Island Hardcore represent. Which is a female. Yes. We're, we're over here now.
to say it's all going to be all right and you're supposed to say uh, that you know whatever you dream can come true and you're supposed to say all those things I do believe in manifestation power of that kind of stuff but I don't believe that any of it matters you know and, um, this mattering is a is to me a, a human construct